If you don't know a person or an investor, you need to be introduced to them. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. Well, questions. You ask me questions, or are you going to? We're all going to kind of just kind of uh, fire some random questions at you as this conversation goes. Uh, we really wanted to learn about who you are personally um, as well. Like, I'm a dad of four kids, um, and uh, I don't know how I would. I could see myself doubling that. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, like, like that's awesome that you have eight kids. I was looking you up on. Uh, LinkedIn and and I and I want to get into all the angel investings and all the other uh, venture capital things, but yeah, I, I just want to know a little bit about you. Okay, I'm gonna have this prepared. <laughs> you guys, is there like a start? Do I just say, "Here's my children"? There's lots of them. Theme for all your kids' names. Like, is there a theme? Like, they all start with B, or they all have some sort of? Nope, oh. nope. My wife picked most of them. That's about it. Okay. So I, I had some say. <laughs> My wife got to pick all of them. Yeah. And your oldest is how old? Uh, my oldest is 13. Are we going? Are we ready to start? We, we yeah, is? We're rolling. rolling. We're rolling. Yes. Yeah, so I've got eight kids. Here they are. And the oldest is 13. We've got twin three-year-olds. I think you can see them in there. Down here at the bottom. Father, twin father to twin father. Oh yeah, twins. We got boy boy girl twins, and they're a handful right now, but so much fun. They are like so close to being fully potty trained. It's amazing. <laughs> we will have no more diapers in like a month. Dang, that's awesome. I I remember my so my first two kids were twins, boy girl twins, and yeah, we did twenty four diapers a day, two diapers every two hours. <laughs> And uh, I made ten dollars an hour at the time. <laughs> oh my gosh! I hope you got some like gift cards as uh, your for your baby gifts or whatever. Yeah. Dang, it is a lot of diapers. But I can't believe it. Thirteen straight. Well, not thirteen straight. Yeah, thirteen straight years of diapers. I am so looking forward to not having diapers anymore. So are these your last two kids? We are done. Okay. We are we are officially done. And uh, I'm stoked about that. It's awesome. The kids are great. We're having so much fun with them. I get to take my son, do a little daddy, son, father, son date tonight. Um, and that'll be so cool. I mean, it's just so great to be able to hang out with them and yeah. see them grow. My two oldest right now are with my wife in Arizona at a tumbling regionals competition. So they're, and they do nationals next month. So awesome. they're often, often running. It's kind of fun. Yeah, our both of my girls are in dance, so it's kind of similar. They were doing gymnastics and dance, and they kind of had to pick one because they started getting into competitive. And uh, yeah, it's like you it's have crazy, to, you have to pick one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but like growing up, I know we could do whatever do the heck we wanted. Totally. And you could join something in high school and probably make the team. And these guys, if they, if you're not like zoned in by ten years old, you'll yeah, you're never not even make making it. the team, let alone excelling, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's a weird. You have a rule at your house, like with all your kids, of like saying, "Hey, you can only do one or the other." Or do you absolutely, we have a two-sport rule okay. because we cannot manage more than two sports. So <laughs> they can do like so per, per season can only be two sports. So they can do multiple sports throughout the year, but only two at a time, or else it'll drive us absolutely insane. So like right now, I've got my daughters doing tumbling, and they want to do soccer, so they're doing soccer. 
I've got my so baseline. Everybody does tumbling. That's like, that's like the main thing. And I say it tumbling because it's different than gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So the traditional gymnastics, the bars and the beams, they're doing tumbling, which is a three sport game anyway. Um, and so like they do soccer on the, so everybody baseline is tumbling. And then my son does football. Um, my other one wants, is doing swimming. Uh, girls are doing soccer and then cheers. My oldest is doing cheer. My oldest son, who's just, who's out at the tumbling competition, he wants to be Cosmo the Cougar at BYU. Nice. Like his ultimate goal in life is to be Cosmo. And we've talked to some Cosmos that have been in the past and they've seen his tumbling and they're like, dude, he's, he's on the right track. Like he totally could do this. Hmm. Oh, I'm shaking the computer there. Um, he could totally do this. Just keep them, keep them going. So anyway, and then my daughter, if she ends up, cause she's a phenomenal tumbler too. If she ends up doing cheerleading long enough, she might be able to cheer at the same time. My son is Cosmo the Cougar. How cool would that be? That's awesome. We can't, isn't there like a rule with mascots? They can't like tell anybody. You're not supposed to tell yeah. anybody, but I'm sure his sister would. Well, his, his, his sister would know. And the sure. cheerleaders, I think they all know because they're like in the back rooms, locker yeah. rooms and stuff together. But yeah, you can't tell anybody. Okay, but even wait, even with that, like okay, eight kids, two sports a season, that's 16 sports still. Uh, that's a lot. So, like, what's your time-saving organizational hack? Like, how do you manage all that? And I, everything you have to I do married it. Jordan Page, Jordan freaking Page. She is the productivity ninja. Hashtag like, sponsored, sponsored by productivitybootcamp.com. <laughs> Hashtag. Other than like Ona DeLorean, how do you guys have time to actually like go and do all this stuff and manage your career, her career? Because I mean, we just looked it up over 500,000 followers online. Like, how in the world do you guys do all this and yeah. be the type of parents that you want to be? Well, I'm going to toot my wife's horn 550,000 on Instagram and almost a million on YouTube. You missed that part. And YouTube, yeah. I mean, Facebook, what else do you want to throw out there? I mean, yeah, she has about two million. Millions of followers. So yeah. again, like you have a career, she has a great career. You guys have eight kids. You're talking about doing like daddy son dates. Like, how do you do all that? Maybe you have more hours in the day than what I do. I have 24. So I don't know what your days look like. You, but you don't sleep ever. <laughs> and then you can fit it in. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. So when we had six children and we were knew that my wife was pregnant with twins, we were like, time for a nanny. So we totally went for a nanny and we have her nine to five, Monday through Friday. So like that is an absolutely massive resource. You could call her a mother's helper. She's phenomenal. She helps us with laundry and keeping the house clean and getting the kids lunch. And uh, even if I can't go pick up the kids, which I love picking up the kids from school or from practices, I love that because it's really good bonding time. But in the case I can't, then she's able to do it, right? And so... Um, that has been a, a massive hack and no shame, right? It's something where when we had six, we would still have people help us and it would be different times of the day or different people. No shame in that game. Um, we were blessed to be in a financial position to afford it because it's obviously not cheap to have people doing that. But that's that's the purely the only way that we could accomplish both of our careers and stay on top uh, of functioning somewhat normally. Um, but so I don't know if I, let's talk about schedules for a minute. I love and believe in exercise. I'm a, I'm a mountain biker. I trail run. I love skiing or snowboarding, snowboarding specifically for me, outdoor activities. I love it. So I need to get exercise in if I can five times a week. That's like the goal. Um, 
maybe it's four times a week if if meetings or conferences or whatever happen but but that's that's a goal so you got to get exercise usually i try to do that a little bit earlier in the day um obviously when i was building my my uh the business that i ended up selling uh i was not exercising enough and so it wasn't that wasn't in my balanced schedule and i hated that and it wasn't good it's not healthy but anybody who's run a business before unfortunately you probably know what that feels like because you're you're just all in 10 12 14 hour days um that's not sustainable forever so the thing we tell everybody and i'm, I'm sure i'm quoting somebody else but it's like live for five years like nobody else will so that you can live the rest of your life like nobody else can and that that we totally took to heart my wife and i as newlyweds um we got married in 2007 and I started my first company in 2009. That's the one that I sold in 2020. Um, Launch Leads is the name of it. Hit Inc. 5000 list three times, which is pretty cool. And uh, but but during that time, like it, our lives were not balanced. Right. And um, I was able to leave the day to day in 2014 um, because I started a venture backed software company and I went through the Techstars Accelerator program in Boulder. And um, that was a wild experience, but that, so I hired a CEO to run the day-to-day -day of that of that services company. Um, and then I tried my hand at, at a VC-backed software company. And that was even more unhealthy because I was like the, all the pressure and added added weight of investors and, and being in more of the public eye at that point. And the business didn't pan out two years, blood, sweat, and tears, and it didn't work out like we thought. And that was miserable. I think when that, when we shut that down, that was probably the first time I truly, truly in my life felt what like depression felt like, anxiety. And so like to dig a little deeper into this note uh, is that I, I didn't realize that I had put myself combined with my business reputation, like me as a human, I like combined and so when that failed, I thought that I personally was like a failure in life as just a human. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to think, right? The adversary wants you to think that you're a failure and that you're not good enough. And, and it took me at least six months to, to kind of figure out what was going on and why was I feeling these feelings. And, and I didn't really want to go out. I didn't want to hang out with people. I didn't really want to. I was like a completely different person. And uh, my wife was like, what's going on? It literally even caused marital strife because I wasn't the same person. And, and so I had to like wake up from that moment and realize, and it was through different mentors, even my investors who lost money were like, Bubba, we still love you. We'll, we'll fund your next business. Like we're, it's not your fault. Like this, you did everything in your power. You absolutely could. We watched you. We talked to you every week. Like, it's not on you. Like this is, this is just what happens sometimes. And, uh, and for me, I know that like, I think, you know, God has a plan and he totally put this as part of my plan because it was interesting. Cause in 2016, 17, when the business, we had to shut it down, I had this like reawakening spiritual awakening. And, and it was a, an amazing experience that I had to go through that, that brought me closer to God more than I had ever ever felt and and i believe it was he knew that i needed something like this this drastic i felt inspired to be to start the business like i felt like that came from god i 
ran the business the best I could and it didn't pan out. And, and so of course you think, Hey, you told me to do this thing. Why didn't it work? And now I can look back and realize, Oh, that's why you wanted me to learn all these life lessons and to become a better person and to, and to rely more on him. That's why. And, and that was a big, big part of it. And I'm so grateful for that learning experience. Everybody says you learn more from your failure failures than you do your successes. And, and absolutely. I think that's true. Um, so what I did is I took a year off. I volunteered to work in the, the temple. It's kind of a sacred workhouse, not workhouse, like a sacred worship place for those who haven't heard about it. Um, I volunteered. I spent two years there. Um, and, and then I started exercising again, getting my health back in order because I hadn't for so many years. Um, and about that time, my wife and I were talking and I was just, uh, actually, I spent six months totally prepping. I felt majorly inspired to start prepping my family. If you guys have heard of preppers, I totally went through this for six months. My wife was like, wait a second, what? How are you going to pay for this stuff? This is like food storage and water and, you know, walkie talkies and stuff, all the stuff that you do in emergencies, flashlights. She, how, how are you going to pay for this? I'm like, you know, she, she's like, I don't want to use our family like savings for this. I'm like, well, it's for the family. Come on. <laughs> when I, when I sold my beloved motorcycle, she realized I was serious and she was like, Oh, hot dang. Okay. Uh, let's, let's do this. So I spent like six months and it was a really cool experience. Um, I'd feel this inspiration, this, this thought come into my mind of what I needed for my family. And you probably didn't think the podcast was going to go this route, right? But I'm just going to go there. I'm going there and then we'll come back. But I got this, I get this feeling. This is what we needed for my family. So I go execute on that thing and I come back and I'd re return and report and be like, okay, I did this thing. I felt like I was supposed to do. And, and it would be like, okay, here's the next thing. And I'd be like, oh man, that's awesome. Like I, I felt like I knew exactly what to do. <laughs> and this happened over and over and over again for like six months. And every week, basically I'd come back. Okay. I did this thing. What else am I supposed to do? And then what else? And then what else? It was probably like the most revelatory experience I'd had in my life since my mission. I had served uh, an, an LDS mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, in Brazil, the furthest south you could go. And, and it was probably one of the most, like, you know, uh, experiences like that that I'd had since then. After six months, I felt this warm embrace of, like, a good job. You listened. You obeyed. You did it. Nice work. And, and then within 24 hours, I felt a huge slap across the face again. And it was like, okay, so the first one was that you're not temporarily prepared. That was the feeling. And the next one was you're not spiritually prepared. I'm like, oh man, okay. So what am I supposed to do? And and and, it, and anyway, I'm still on that journey, by the way. But that, I think that's a never ending. That's a lifelong journey of being spiritually prepared. So, um, so anyway, that's a big part of my life, though. And I bring it up because like every day I'm studying scriptures. I go to the temple almost every week of the year. Uh, not as a, I don't work there anymore as a volunteer. I just go um, to worship. And, and that's a huge part of who I am. And, and I love it. I love reading books and studying gospel stuff and Jesus. I love it. It's my friend. And, 
and I just want to be closer to him. And, and it, I try to teach my kids the best I can. But to me, that's like numero uno. Like if there's a an order of importance, like that's my relationship with God. That's number one. Then I've got my wife and my kids and, and you know, then my health and, and then, uh, you know, those around me that I can help. And then business comes after all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and do you see, like with you being in touch with your spiritual side, do you see a lot of those uh, habits and things that you do there translate into business as well? Oh yeah. I mean, I think there's life principles and, and you learn a lot from the Bible. You learn a lot from, from what Jesus taught. So it's like, if you can implement those principles into a business setting, you're probably going to have success, right? Treat others like you would, that you want, like you want to be treated, love other people, uh, serve other people. Like if you're creating a company and you create value in some way, shape or form, then, then people will want that product or service from you because you're creating value. And if you can serve them with that value, then you'll, you'll receive benefits from it. And it's, and so there's absolutely, uh, I think gospel centered principles, being honest, having high integrity, like in business, if you're not doing that, you're going to blow it, right? That, that lifeline is only going to last so long if you keep burning bridges and are not honest with people, or if you're living a duplicit, uh, duplicitous life, whatever, living two-sided life, right? that's not going to serve you well. That might last for a year. Maybe somebody can get away with it for two years or more, but like it's always going to come back and people call it karma. You can call it whatever you want, but like there is, there is absolute truth in what the gospel teaches. And we've got it all right there in the scriptures. We just have to study it, understand it, believe it. And, and that, and even just to have most entrepreneurs, even if they're atheists, they have faith because they started something from scratch and believed that they could actually do something. That's called faith, right? Even though they couldn't see it, they created it. And so I think, I mean, literally there's a million examples we could go yeah. from gospel into business over and over and over again. And um, so, yes, I think it has a massive impact on our lives. And I also think like why, you know, yes, we could work seven days a week, but you should probably take at least one day off. And I prefer to take two days off, but like, or more, uh, but you know, you got to take a day off and Sunday's a great day to do that. So might as well keep the Sabbath day holy. You might as well do it because it's healthy for you. Fasting is another one. I didn't really love fasting until about four or five years ago. And I started fasting more frequently and I didn't do it from a health standpoint, although it has incredible health benefits. Now everybody's talking about, fasting and intermittent fasting. But if you, if you do it from a spiritual standpoint, you also receive spiritual benefit. So there's like, even from that element, paying tithing, you're donating, you're giving back, you're helping other people who have less. Like there's fast offerings. Like there's so many things in the gospel that you should be doing in life anyway. Anyway, I could go on. I'm, I'm on my soapbox guys. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'll add just a little bit to that, though. It's interesting as we study the scriptures in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yeah. there's something called scripture mastery where there's certain scriptures that you go and look through. I actually have my own list of what I call business mastery. So as I'm studying the scriptures and I'm like, absolutely, that's what I should be doing business-wise. This other thing, yep, this is a business mastery. So mine are all marked up. Business, oh, that's awesome. Business mastery. I love that. Yeah, anyway, I just think it's a great principle to follow. And it, wh whatever you believe in, if it's the universe, a higher power, God, Jesus, 
um, whatever it is, like stay, stay focused on it. There's so many good things in every single religion for the most part. Like, you know, you have to, it's hard to look at your life and think that there isn't something else out there, that there isn't some other thing going on in this universe and this great world. Um, and I think, I think it's a pretty healthy for everybody to have a belief in something. And so, um, more power to you. I'm a big supporter. Uh, anyway, okay, so let's see here. My life. Oh, yeah. I talked about the failure. Talked about one that was a winner. Uh, oh, so after this, like, prepping time frame and then the spiritual, like, hey, I got to wake up here and, and really get my get my thing going. I got to be the... I got to be the leader in the home and make this thing happen. That's when my wife and I were talking and it was, it made sense for me to come in and help her. She had been doing the social media thing under funcheaperfree.com, this blog. And, uh, and, and she had so many goals and aspirations of what she think she thought she could help people with. And she just had a passion for helping um, specifically moms and families. So I just came and it was essentially like, Hey, if you want me to come, I would love to help you grow. So it was her and an assistant, and she had already done phenomenally well in her blogging world, and she was about to come out with her very first product called budgetbootcamp.com. And so it's this online course. So I just basically came in and I just tried to act as the back-end business person. So helping with hiring and training and systems and technologies and, and, uh, and think about business and profitability. And she's all things face of the company and uh, social and content and products and connecting with the audience, all that stuff. And we did that for three and a half years together. And there's amazing benefits with working with your spouse, but it's also not always awesome. So just to put it out there, uh, it was tough. It was really hard. There were some elements that, that made it difficult. And, and we realized after three and a half years, it was like, it was a great run. We went from her and an assistant to like 15 employees, a few million in revenue, very profitable, millions of followers, and, and, and uh, I don't know, a hundred SKUs of products that she had in warehouses, shipping all across the world, paper products, a baby, uh, baby brand called Mori June. Uh, uh, she has the planners now, budget planner, productivity planner. She has kid and teen planners. She's got a cookbook now, shelfcooking.com. It's a whole new thing. People are taking the world by storm. She's been on Rachel Ray and Good Morning America, Dr. Phil, you name it, she's done it. And I'm just so grateful I was able to support and be there with her uh, along that ride. And it was only last year where it was like, okay, I think it's time for me to do my own thing again. And so I was I was looking at kind of my skills and my network and my talents and trying to make a Venn diagram of like, where do they meet in the middle? And I landed on Influence Ventures and influenceventures.co because the .com wasn't available, but .co is still cool. I do own influencevc.com. So maybe I'll convert to influencevc.com. Influencevc is shorter, but I'm technically, so it's, it's in the venture capital world, but instead of starting a fund, I am more of what's called a syndicate. And so we invest in companies uh, that specifically can see rapid growth through social media influencers since that's now part of my history in the world, right? And um, and so, for example, my wife and I, we wrote a check to Gab Wireless. This is the, a simple, easy story. In their seed round, um, and so we wrote a little check, and then we were able to promote their products 
because we really believe in safe tech for kids. And so obviously eight kids, we want them to be safe online. It was a no brainer for me. And um, so we wrote the check, but then I negotiated. I said, look, I think we can promote this thing and do really well with it to our audience. Um, what do you say about taking the commissions you want to pay us, convert them into equity so that I can get an even bigger chunk of the seed round? And they said, sure, what the heck? It's pay for performance. We don't have to pay you if you don't do anything. And I'm like, sweet. They capped us at 50K though. And within what was like four to six months or something, we hit that 50K in commission because it just, we love the product. We believe in the mission and our audience families loved it. So, so we were able to get that extra cash into the investment. And now they're, I think they're a private company, so I can't share all their details, but, uh, but it's done very well. And our, our, our investment could even be more than 20 X what, what we originally got. And, and they're not even done yet. They're not even sold or going public yet. So it could be, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, so I looked at that and saying, I think I could duplicate that with influence ventures. And we've, we, I've invested in a bunch of other co companies since I'm a love being an angel investor. I think I'm at like 12, uh, individual deals that I've written. And then I think I'm involved in three, three funds that I've invested in. I love investing so much. It's just so fun. I, I don't have to do the day-to-day -day work mm -hmm. that the entrepreneur is doing anymore. I've already lived through that life so I can give advice and help see landmines and help them avoid some of those things. But I get to invest in these amazing people and these amazing companies, and then they get to do the hard work of growing them. Some of them work, some of them don't. One of the companies I invested in just closed their doors. And oh, it's so painful. And I love the entrepreneur. We've become very close and and I still will, I'll still fund another business that he does. Cause again, it wasn't his fault. It's not his, he worked every angle and every possible way he could, and it just didn't pan out. And that's part of being an investor. You got to know that sometimes that goes. So that was 50K, gone, right? Yeah. But I have all these other investments and and some will fail and some will do great. And and it'll all end up working out in the end. Um, it, well, that's the cross. Luckily, so far, they're all working out. We'll see. Time will tell. Um, so when Influence Ventures began, it was just something where I, I had this passion for investing. I love entrepreneurs. I feel like I can relate to them as an entrepreneur myself. And then if we can, if I can bring my social media experience and my connections within that world of influencers, I think we can help a lot of companies. And, and especially if we could get some of these influencers to write a small check, they'll be a long-term lifelong partner with that company. And and, and so there's a lot of education that needs to take place, and I haven't done that yet, of educating the influencers of what does investing mean, what is a cap table, what does shares or LLC units mean, and what can that do for them as an investment. There's a lot that, that the influencer world, I don't think, um, has had a ton of experience in that I think I can bring to the table. And then it's a unique aspect that all of the VCs here, at least from California and Arizona, Utah, you know, Idaho, Colorado, some of my contacts mainly in the VC space, they're not focusing on this area, not yet at least. And so I, I think I've got a unique value proposition that, uh, that I can help a lot of people. And that's what I've been noticing is I've just been barely getting the word out. VCs are contacting me saying, hey, will you help me review this deal? It's in your space. Yeah. 
And, uh, and I'm like, this is awesome. I'm getting deal flow from other VCs. I'm not a competitive, I'm not gonna be the lead investor. I'm gonna follow along a VC who's gonna write the biggest check. And then I'll bring a half a million to a million dollars to the table through my syndicate of investors, through my friends, people I know who invest alongside me. They believe and trust that I'm gonna do uh, what I can for due diligence. I'm gonna find the right deals. And I'm only gonna do deals that I'm personally writing a check into. So they know that I've got skin in the game in every deal I do. And uh, and that's that's where I'm headed. There are a few, I think I've noticed three other firms across the entire country, VC firms that are having a social media angle. And I'm sure there will be a lot more that will come up. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm proud to kind of be in the first 10 in the country to lead in this side. I think marketing uh, has changed. iOS 14, anybody in the e-com space, like trying to do pay-per-click ads, it's absolutely destroyed a lot of people having the privacy shut off and all the things. And so people have turned a lot of their time and attention to social media influencers to help drive demand and drive product awareness and uh, and conversions through revenue. And, and I think that is part of our future. Um, SEO is still a game, but I think that's, that's a different angle. Uh, PPC is really tough. Some people can still pull it off, but it's uh, the ROAS, the return on ad spend is a lot lower than it used to be. Social media influencers are not inexpensive per se, um, especially if you're going the sponsorship route, but if you can go the affiliate route, or if you can convert commissions into equity and do that game, like we talked about, I think there's massive opportunity in the future of you know, online uh, uh, companies to gain a huge benefit from social media influencers. Anyway, I'm, I'm throwing my ring in the hat. I'm sticking to it. That's what I'm up to, guys. That's really awesome. And like with, cause like the, the point where you're at, where you get to like, you know, help people by investing in companies and stuff like that. Like that's a dream that I've always had, but I've always made like minimum wage or I've always made, you know what I mean? Like, like what, what do you think? I mean, I know you built a business and I think after you built that business and sold it, you, you then had your capital. And I think that's where you could probably start investing with other people. And, yeah. and, and so, so, so my question is, is like, what advice would you give to have someone get to that point where we can start investing and in doing some of the investing that you're doing? Yeah. So you, you obviously you start small. So my very first check that I ever wrote was $25,000 into a venture capital fund called Peterson Ventures. And, and usually you can't ever invest in a VC fund with 25K period. There's like minimums of like 250 yeah. or a million, a yeah, half million, million, whatever it is. Right. I was a CEO that they had funded. That was the only reason I could get in. Well, I wrote that check and it was like everything my wife and I could scrounge up, right? 25K was a huge amount for us at that time. And, um, but I did it. Um, and obviously it was a risk and I could have lost everything. That's how investing works. But they ended up backing Cotopaxi, Hireview that sold, Bonobos that went public, Allbirds that went public, Chatbooks, which still will have a sale in the future. And Cotopaxi hasn't even gone public yet, right? Like yeah. there's still, and I've already gotten three X, almost four X my, my money back from my very first investment. Now it's taken a long time. This is back in 2006, 15, 16. So this is like a long time frame. Um, and COVID didn't help, you know, it extended that time frame a little bit. And even the public markets right now have extended that time frame. People would have gone public if the markets weren't what they were to, are today. But, but like that, I'm probably going to get a four or five X return 
on that investment. Now that's only 125 K back, but that was, that was a massive opportunity to, for that I got into. So I got, I got lucky. I was blessed to be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes that can happen, but I think investing is one of those principles that you should start investing as soon as you possibly can, even dollar cost averaging into the market. I'm not a huge stock player. Like I, I don't love the stock market, but there is a thing called dollar cost averaging where you essentially every day or every week or every month, you just put a little bit in at a time, you know, maybe it's a hundred bucks, maybe it's 500 bucks, maybe it's a thousand, you know, it's something that you and your family, you live on lower so that you can invest in your future and you have compound interest that it's proven over the last hundred years, you're going to end up better off in the next 30 years if you start investing. And the sooner you start investing, the better you're off because that compounding is like a J-curve growth scale. So like you start investing now, if you're in your 20s or even if you're younger, like you start as soon as you possibly can. I unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm actually my very, very first investment. We were totally newlyweds. There was an oil company that was through a family friend. And so, so I lied about my 25K check. My 5K check was our very first investment into this oil company as newlyweds. And this was like for real. We had no money at all. I mean, we we probably went, we did ramen probably for you know a long time just to be able to write that check. And uh, and the company blew up and nothing happened. I lost all of it. Nada. Nothing. I bet that hurt way worse than the 50K. Oh my gosh. Lost. Oh yeah. It right. hurt so much more than the 50K yeah. I just lost. So much more. This 50K, it's like, oh, dang. Yeah. That's all right. We'll get the next one. 5K gone. Oh, devastating to my wife and I. So when I brought her, this is hilarious actually, 2019, I bring her another oil deal. She's like, what are you talking about? We hate oil. We are not <laughs> oil ever again. And I was like, look, okay, I know the last one was a bust, but this one, I know the people, they've had success. We should just at least try it. And so we, so that investment, we put in a hundred K and which again, still, that's a lot of money for anybody. That was a lot for us too in 2019. Well, then they come out with, and that was so their fund. I'm going into way too much detail guys. So then, <laughs> I so I, but we start getting dividend checks from this, this oil company and, and it's like one to 3% a month. We're not talking like 12% a year, which is most real estate, you know, like cash flow dividend producing is like 12 to 15% or even nine or 10%. People are stoked about that. I was getting 1% a month, even 3% a month. Like this was a legit return. And I, so I'm going to my wife, I'm like, yeah, this thing is awesome. So when fund two comes around, I wrote a much bigger check then fund three, an even bigger check. And now fund four is in the process. All right, I'll keep writing checks. And it is absolutely unbelievable cash flow. Not all oil investments will do this. Oh man, I'm sorry. Um, not all investments are going to have success. Like I've told you, I've lost money. Um, and you only invest money that you can lose. But I think if you start small, start something simple, just dollar cost average into something, whether you're doing that into you know the stock market, which is probably a okay place to begin, uh, and then if you're into crypto, you do crypto. Um, you know, I got into 2018 into crypto, uh, and and I just held it. I haven't done the good dollar cost average. I just threw 30k in and just held it, and and that's turned turned out to be really okay for me because that was Bitcoin was what six grand at the time, and now it's at 29. So. 
that's yeah. not not bad. Um, and then a bunch of other coins. But so anyway, I just think investing is a big deal. But really, uh, what is the, what is the book uh, that you all need to read by Robert Kawasaki? The oh, Cash Flow Quadrant. Oh yeah, it's super super old. Like I'm sure it's way out outdated. But he teaches you these. I'm going to totally mess it up. But he teaches these four places where you can live. You can live as an employee. You can live as an employee. You can live um, as a professional. I think is what he talks about, like doctor, dentist, lawyer, right? So employee, you can make good money as an employee. I have buddies that make a few hundred grand a year as an employee. There's nothing wrong with that. As a doctor, dentist, lawyer, you can make great money as as a professional. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he says the two greatest areas where you make wealth is as a business owner and as an investor. Those are the four areas. I think I'm saying them right. And, and you can probably tell why, right? But I've, I've had a friend of mine who's been an employee the majority of his career. And he and I would go to lunch every month. And he would see me as an entrepreneur and be like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'd see him. He's making fat cash. I mean, I think it was like up to like 400K a year he was making as a sales exec, like crushing it as a salesperson. And I'm like, dude, I wish I was in your shoes. You're making bank and I'm struggling to make this business survive. And we like have this amazing uh, respect for each other's careers. Well, by the time I sell my business, he's now made enough and has started investing along the way. And by the time I sell them, they're like, we're at similar phases of life. And now it's, so he's been investing a lot longer than I had. And I had to wait to really start investing a little bit, you know, and, but, and then I, but I sold my company. Now, not all companies get sold. And so if that business would have failed, he would have been way further ahead as an employee, but he started investing and that's really where things have blossomed. And now guess what? He's now an entrepreneur and now I'm the one that's the investor. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> and I wrote a check to him as an investor in his company, because I believe and love him. And you typically invest in people you know, love and trust, right? Like that's, yeah. that's secret. Any of you watching that want to invest, to raise money for your business, you have to build relationships. Yeah. So you have to have relationships. People don't want to invest in a stranger. They want to invest in somebody they know, love and trust. If you don't know a person or an investor, you need to be introduced to them. Cold calling, yes, you can, but you're going to have a much higher hit rate, success rate, if you get introduced uh, to somebody. So, like, if you want me to write you a check as Influence Ventures, please be introduced by someone. Because uh, I get, I don't know, 100 messages a month on LinkedIn from just random, yeah. random people on LinkedIn. Uh, what, I have, like, 20,000 followers on LinkedIn now. And they, and they just ping me all day long. Hey, we're raising money. I'm doing this thing. And I'm like, that's awesome. Good hustle. But find somebody that you know that knows me, and your 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 stuff goes straight to the top of the deck. Cool, that's right? really good advice. Thank you. Just just bombarding me all day long of people who want money, and that pile is so I'll never get to the bottom of the pile. So if there's any way you can get to the top of the pile, go through somebody that you know. And if you don't know somebody that I know, go find somebody and create a relationship first, or go to an event that I'm speaking at. Or, or, and come and shake my hand afterwards. Like even that is, is better. Cause then I, I at least know you. And then secret, add everyone to LinkedIn. I expect all you guys on this podcast to add me on LinkedIn if we're not connected already, because it's, it's like, even if we haven't talked in years, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know you. I know you. I'm like, we're connected. I know you somehow, some way. 
or and most of the time I'll remember you because I remember the face, your names come up in the feed sometimes or whatever. LinkedIn does a beautiful job of, of from a business setting to keep relationships. And any students who are watching, connect with your classmates, connect with your professors. Can like when I go speak at the universities, I try to tell people like if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, you better get one right now and start even if it says nothing, even if it says student, doesn't matter, do it and add every adult person you meet on LinkedIn and, uh, and no shame, have no shame about it. Just add everybody yeah. that you know, don't just add random strangers all the time. Just add people you meet. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Thanks, thanks. Uh, sorry. Were you saying something? I just said, thanks. That's really awesome. And our, our sales minds are, are starting to race right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're, uh, we're going to be putting a game plan together. So yes, thank you for sharing this. This is why we love these podcasts. Man. No, and as salespeople, you have a huge advantage because you're talking to hundreds and hundreds of people all the time. Connect with every one of them on LinkedIn. Yeah. Think about this. In five years time, you'll have thousands of people you're connected to. And guess what? If you go start a business, you can now reach out to them to invest. If you're hiring people, you now have people you can hire from. If you're going to start a company, you want to partner, you probably have people you can partner with. Like it's mind blowing. Your the resources that you will have at your fingertips. If you just take this daily practice of connecting with people, being honest and truthful and, and good relationship skills and uh and those will last you a lifetime i mean geez we've known each other since 2008 yeah right we're talking 2008 it's 2023 holy that's crazy that's crazy we've connected and we've stayed in contact and we don't see each other every month we don't even see each other every six months but like we're still connected yeah and and it's anyway so i i'm a huge fan again another soapbox guy you guys you guys caught me I must uh, have taken a caffeine something before this. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I, and and we, we just got a few more minutes left. I, I just want you – has Abner or, or, or has anyone told you what we're doing with Barden? Like, Yes, we got to talk a little bit. It sounds awesome. You're taking a cool angle into the golf world and uh, more of a lifestyle play to the golfing game. Yeah, and I – Because I, I am no pro. I am definitely not a pro golfer. But I love to play – and I can go do a business scramble with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, will I ever do a competition where I'm supposed to actually win? No. <laughs> but yeah. if I can go for a charity or if I can go to connect with people and friends and heck yeah. So, so, and, and I don't want to sound cliche. This is going to sound really cliche, but as you were talking and telling us your story about how you like to mountain bike, how it's important to exercise and stuff and how you use the Venn diagram, how you talked about the Venn diagram. That's our conversations that we're having already as a business because we want to bring mountain bikers and, and people that like to mountain bike into the business world, but they can show that professionally through our golf brand. Um, and so that's where Abner gets all his inspiration is because he's a mountain biker. I'm a wakeboarder. You know, we're, we all have these fun things. We're not the best golfers except for Greenwell. He's really good. I'll, I'll back for him. Um, and, uh, but, but, we can showcase our lifestyle in the business world through this golf brand with Farden. So I love that. That's so cool. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's obviously times in your life where you're not as balanced as you would like to be. And that's okay too, right? Think about it like spinning plates. My wife does a good job when she teaches in productivity bootcamp, like you have these plates and you've got a lot of them and you're spinning them up, you know, trying to, but one plate 
is probably going to slow down and the other one's going to be fast. So like sometimes your life does, you know, go back and forth a little bit and that's okay. Living like nobody will for five years so you can live like nobody else will or nobody else can, I'm sorry, for the rest of your life. Like that does take a level of sacrifice that, you know, earlier in your career, yeah, you might not be able to go on the vacations you really hoped for. Or you might not be able to buy the car you were really hoping to drive, or or maybe you can't go out to lunch every day. You, you need to brown bag it, right? Um, and and that's that's what's so beautiful, and what I think what gives you so much uh, gratitude in life is as you can kind of make those steps along the way, learn so much, uh, and and then being able to live a life. So to me, you never want to compromise your relationship with God. You never want to compromise your relationship with your spouse. Um, I think health is, is, is right there too. And it's, it has to be because if you don't have the health, you got nothing else. Right. So it's, it's something that if you can try to keep those core elements in your life, even from day one. And, and again, it's, it's something that I think your brand brings to play where it's like, if you can live the lifestyle you want to live, hopefully you're able to make the choices in life that allow you to do that. And, and obviously the further along in your career, the more you can do. And, um, but I don't, I'm not the kind of person that wants to wait until I'm retired to go have fun. Like that's, that's, I don't think that's any of our generations. I believe that our grandparents lived that way and even our parents, maybe to an extent, but I, I don't think that's us. I think our generation understands the value of getting out and mountain biking and wakeboarding and golfing and, and, and having those things that are fun, but you might not buy the $40,000 side-by-side. You might go and buy a used dirt bike for a couple grand and that's okay. You can still have that lifestyle, but live within your means and make it a, a, a positive experience. You might have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go golfing so that you can still get to work on time and still bust your butt at work. But like you, you have to make those sacrifices in order to to, to prove the lifestyle in. You may also stop drinking or partying on the weekend so that you have more time with your family or that you can find the wife that you want to marry, right? So it's like, I think those all come into the, to the lifestyle play. That's the playbook. Awesome. Yeah, Thank I love you. It. Sweet. Uh, well, I got one question for you as a social standpoint. Um, how did, how did your wife, and maybe this is a question for her, but how did you guys start? Like we're trying to grow our, our, uh, social, but I mean, what's, what's your advice on that one? So my wife started with the blog that was okay. kind of pre pre Instagram. There was face, there was Facebook, but it, you know, the blog, she just started writing what she was passionate about and there's an audience for everything out there especially now that we have social and internet, like people will find everything. And so you find a niche and you just, you just really focus on that core first and you learn about them and you write about them and you post about it and you, you study it and you live it and you become who that person, your persona. She just knew and understood her people so dang well. Um, she was, she was one of them. She started writing fun, cheaper free about our frugal living. When I started my first company, had no income for an entire year. We lived off of my wife's salary. By the time she had our first kid, she came home and I was supposed to support our family. I could barely take a paycheck like once every three months. You know what I mean? It was insane. 
But so she started blogging about her frugal lifestyle. Well, people could relate to that. So they started following along and then they started getting more interested. So being relatable, authentic, not hiding behind, like I appreciate you guys are, are were willing to say, yeah, that's not actually a tree. It's, it's a vinyl, but it looks sweet. Like that was being authentic, right? That's amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. I think people, it's endearing. People want to, to know that you're authentic. I think the the people who have social followers because they're posting about their Lambos and their hot chicks and they're drinking and they're partying and whatever it is, like to me, that's just not how to do it. Like you can like nice cars. There's nothing wrong with nice cars. Please forgive me. I have a nice car and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like, is that more important to me than our a relationship with someone or, or is that more important than my family or my kids or, or my relationship with God? Absolutely not. Am I going to tell you that I had to struggle and suffer to get here? Totally. Because that's what's really authentic. So like, I think not trying to be perfect online is really, really valuable. Just be who, be who you are. If you guys, even in a business setting, now obviously people prefer to follow people and they don't love to follow businesses as much. That's why most social influencers are individual people. And if it's a brand, it's typically because they were already big, you know? Most of the time brands, there are brands that have grown on social, don't get me wrong, but they've probably done a ton of collaborations with people that others love, like, and want to do business with. They've probably um, given their product to bajillions of people, to influencers to have promote their product that's helped them. Um, as a brand, how can you connect to your audience in a way that they want to follow you and not just for a free t-shirt? I think the giveaway thing, you can do a giveaway, but do it like every three months, not every week. Mm -hmm. Because if you get giveaway followers, they're not loyal to you. They, they don't care about you. They just wanted that free thing. I mean, you guys have all seen this. Win a free iPad, tag this, do this, do that, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that'll get you followers. But they suck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like those followers mean nothing. Yeah. So it's like, it's your engagement with those people that you're, you're working with. And so if you can create a person, a personality behind your brand that can engage with people, that's how you're going to grow it. Right. Um, and I know that's a hard thing to do for a brand specifically, but let's say you have ambassadors, you guys have brand ambassadors, you have the pro golfer or you have the pro wakeboarder or you have the mountain biker or whatever have them a part of be a part of the social as, as often as possible because it brings personality and that's what people want to watch there are also two different in my opinion there are two different types of influencers or social people on social media uh, influencers specifically you have the educator and you have the entertainer these are two different people both of them have massive values for brands and both can perform very well with brands but like my wife, you'll probably never see her doing a TikTok dance because that's just not her vibe, right? Now, I'm not saying that that is wrong inherently. I don't love it when they're scantily clad and trying to get, uh, and men and women alike, trying to get attention in that way. I'm not a huge fan of that for social media. But there are people who like uh, Johnson Files are hilarious online. Uh, full M house. We love them. They're, they're just hilarious. They're so funny and clean and their humor is just amazing. You just laugh. So you want to follow them 
because they just make you laugh. They're so funny. Then you have the educator and my wife is an educator, right? So she gets online, she teaches about budgeting, she teaches about cooking, she teaches about productivity, how to be a better mom and how to raise a bunch of kids and how to be how to be okay with not being perfect, right? She's she's the first to always post with no makeup on and early in the morning her hair is like this, you know, because that's relatable. She's not gonna be the one that posts like a celebrity that only has perfect pinup pictures. That's just not. That's our way of building a social following. People have done it every other way. And, and, and they would probably be on a podcast teaching you to do it, be perfect and have everything be, you know, dialed in. That's just not how we've done it. Our vibe is a little more natural, more authentic. And we feel like we have a very authentic audience for, oh, let me just share this quick. Yeah. I was filming my daughter for her birthday. One, I've, I typically post because it's my journal. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing my kids. I'm doing me exercising, showing growth. I'm, sh I'm showing me doing a fun adventure. Uh, I'm with my family, a celebration. So I'm, I'm using it more from like a journaling standpoint. It's probably not the best way to grow a following, but that's just me, right? It's perfect for me um, to go back and, and relive those memories and share with my family and friends. With them. So I'm filming my daughter. She's seven years old yesterday. We're having this blast of a birthday breakfast. But my little two-year-old comes out and she had just used the bathroom and did not have her pants on. So it, totally inappropriate. Absolutely not what I want to have online. I didn't notice. I literally filmed my daughter cheering, you, yeah, it's your birthday. I had no idea in the background is my little nudie daughter. And, and you know, she's three, right? She, yeah. I totally didn't realize it. And I'm just in, I'm in the groove. My wife's out of town. So I've got the other six kids. I'm doing breakfast. I'm doing birthdays. I'm, I'm just like making it happen. And so I post it without even thinking twice. My followers are so awesome. I get like 20 people DM me. Oh my gosh, you probably didn't realize, but your daughter's naked in the background. Ah, you want to delete that? You want to remove it? Yeah. Just, Hey, just heads up. We love you guys. Just, you know, like so kind and nice. They know that I wasn't trying to do something and they were just being super authentic with me. So uh, obviously I immediately take it down, try to get it off the internet because all the crazy pedos out there. Yeah. So, um, so get it off the internet. And, and I was just so grateful. I had this audience of people who care enough about me to, instead of uh, promoting it or, or tearing me apart for not being sensitive enough for clothing my children or taking me down some whatever path, they just were loving and kind. And I feel like you get that type of audience when you are authentic and kind and loving to other people too. I also post a lot about God and Jesus. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons maybe I, my, my growth uh, has, has stagnated a little bit because my wife and I have tested this. You post and tag Jesus or talk about Jesus. It doesn't go very far. Typically. I, and I, I, I want in the ethernet here, like, I don't know what it is, but like when I talk about God and Jesus, I typically don't have a great week from an engagement side, meaning the algorithm does not love me that week. So I'm not saying don't uh, talk about Jesus because we who, we all know we need more Jesus in this world, right? Uh, but like, uh, but it's been very interesting to watch. And I probably talk about it two or three times a week. So it'll be, and I'm not going to back down from that. I'm going to keep posting because I think honestly gave us this platform 
we're, uh, that, that's the only reason my wife and I have this is to help other people. And uh, there, there is no other reason. So, so I need to do my part. Um, that's at least my belief right at the time. You guys, my kids are going to be coming home from school any second. Yes. Yeah. Any last questions for? Uh, that's all. No, I just uh, great, great advice because uh, like you talked about, I think it's inspiring when you talk. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that I think talk about. You know, you mentioned that you went through some failures and you learned a lot and you got on the other side of it and you're a very optimistic person and have a rock star spouse that supports you and you're able to be on that side of things. But I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs or employees or whatever that sometimes you're still going through that, that dark time that you're talking about, the depression. And they probably know it's short lived, but it's hard to see that when you're stuck in that moment. And so I, it, I think it's great to see success stories like you and talk about, you know, being authentic that, yeah, we, we had to go through some struggle that, I think it's great to have that out there so that people understand like, yeah, there is an end, there's a light to the end of the tunnel. And like you said, now you've invested in somebody who just lost it all and it wasn't their fault and you'll invest in their business again. And hopefully that person can get to your same seat and do the same thing for somebody else. So yeah. it's nice to have that out in the world. Well, I can share a couple of things of advice before we close here. Like for those who are struggling, for those who are going through the grind right now, I feel you. First of all, you are not alone. People are right around you and they're going through the struggles. Usually when you look online, you don't see that, right? People are posting highlights. I get it. <clears throat> That's normal. So just realize they're posting their highlights online. So you trying to judge yourself against everybody else that's around you, it's unrealistic. Not everybody's willing to come out there bawling online, telling them about their struggles, right? We all are going through struggles, whether it's with marriage or with kids or with work or with a business or investments or finances, whatever it is, every human has to go through these things. That's part of the plan. And our job is to learn from them. So I, the tips I'd say is number one, turn to God, turn to your higher power. When you're going through the absolute depths of despair, that is your saving grace. Like that is where you turn, learn to communicate with him, right? Learn that process of hearing when you receive answers and you can know it's from God because number one, it's going to be good and it's not going to be, it's not going to be tearing you apart. There is a, there is a godly reprimand of, Hey, you can be better. Like I felt, Hey, you're not spiritually prepared. I felt it, but it wasn't tearing me down. Right. It, and it wasn't something evil or negative, like go, hurt someone or be dishonest. None of those things are going to be coming from God. So when you start telling, but if you start hearing in your own mind, things like you're not good enough, or you'll never make it, or you can't do this, that's not from God. So think about who that's coming from. You got to listen and you have to take time to meditate and ponder, clear your mind and allow. We've got somebody who's trying to communicate with us 24 seven. And yet we are living such busy lives that we rarely, if ever, listen. So if I can plead with everybody who's listening, especially those who have struggled or are struggling, turn to your higher power, communicate, express the depths of despair you're going through, ask for that help, and, and then be willing to do what you hear. And it may be painful. It may mean you have to shut down that business. And you're like, but wait a second, I'm supposed to be calling for miracles here. 
You need to listen to what you're supposed to do and then act on it, no matter how difficult, difficult it is. If you hear in your mind that you have to go apologize to your father for being a prick when you were little, sorry, for, for being a bad guy, then go do it. Call him. Apologize. Take those steps because God works in mysterious ways. It's not always going to be about what business you do or about your money. He's going to dive in the deep depths of your soul and he's going to say, go make amends with that person you offended. And, and it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful for you to do that. But I can guarantee and promise you that when you listen and act on these things that come into your mind that are good, you will have more blessings than you could ever imagine. And I'm not just talking temporal and financial blessings. I'm talking lifelong gifts that come from heaven that you will never be able to deny. As long as you listen to what's being told, are humble enough to, to actually act on those feelings and go do it. Um, I, I just can promise you. So those turn to God, <clears throat> find mentors, find people who love you for you and have no ulterior motive. An investor, unfortunately, has an ulterior motive, no matter how good of a friend they are. If they have financial connection to you in some way, they should not be your true mentor. They can be an advisor, but they can't be a personal life mentor. You need to find somebody who you respect who you would love to emulate and build relationships with them and call on them because they should be looking out for your absolute best interest. And even if that means you have to whatever, shut down a business or change jobs or, or whatever that thing is, they should shoot straight with you because there's no ulterior motives. So those are probably my two best tips. And then honestly, work freaking hard at, at doing the best you can in all the areas of your life. Just work the best you can. And uh, and and it means to sacrifice probably your some of your worldly pleasures that you like. So work day hard. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Peace. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you.